0: All right, Philippians 4, thank you for being open to that. Thank you for being the church that you are, and uh, uh, I look forward to giving you a good report from our, we'll have our new national director, he'll be here Thursday night, speak in, Jay Pathak, Jay is an amazing guy. We're just honored to have him here. You know, people say, what are you guys doing? We're serving. That's what we're doing. We're just going to serve, and God's going to bless uh, I've got my wife and I. Pastor Kim, pray for her. She's better. Uh, she's still having stuff in her her throat. Uh, her she's very raspy. Sounds like you know she's a Marlboro woman. Uh, for you know, so she might have been slipping on the side. I didn't know it, but uh, uh, but she uh, uh, she and I'll open. We have five minutes. And giving me five minutes is like you know I can't explain. And I want to tell a story that's very. Uh, Self-Deprecating. It's in the book, if you've read our book, Under Ugly Altars, if you want to know where I'm going. It happened in Indiana, and nothing good happens in Indiana. Just kidding, but anyway. (laughs) So anyway, I'm going to tell that story, and uh, hopefully to give them just a word to say, hey, we want to see you guys lighten up, be released, have some fun this week, let your hair down, let God do a new work. Let's remember why we signed up for this thing to begin with. It gets hard too quick, in church life and being a leader and dealing with people. Leadership would be easy if it was uh, if it wasn't for the people. Uh, if it was dogs, it'd be easy. You know, you just get my dog would do anything for a bone, but people not so much. So you know, people are the challenge, and so we wanna we wanna just get them. So I got like this window, and I don't wanna I don't wanna violate my freedom. Uh, and, and and get in trouble. I'm already going to get in trouble with the story I'm going to tell. But we're an ugly church, and so they need to learn that where they're here. This is that we chose. No one else in 65 churches was able to host this thing. We were we were the only ones that said we'll do it. And and so this is our 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 a moment to shine. And I'm going to tell one of the lowest stories of my life. So that's the way you go. That's the way we roll at the vineyard. You know, we're not going to get up. They don't want to get up and hear someone say, well, we've had this great year, best year we've ever had, blah, 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 blah. They're going to just hear that we're human and we want them to experience God in a fresh way. Amen? So I know you'll be praying. I want you to experience him this morning. and warm it up. You, you sit in that seat as though you were one of those pastors and just receive from the Lord as they're going to be receiving and let the Holy Spirit come and do what he wants to do in you. Uh, this morning, last week, we looked at that horrible verse in chapter 4, verse 6. It's a horrible verse for those of us that have anxiety. It's a terrible verse. Don't read it. Thank you, Lord. It, it was terrible. It's a terrible verse because it tells you to, to stop worrying. Now that's mean. You know, when you're, when you're neck deep in anxiety and, 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 and the Lord comes along and uses Paul and says, hey. Stop being anxious for anything. I want you to learn how to pray. Turn it over to God. Trust God. Let the peace of God come. Set your mind on good things, happy things. I want you to find joy. So he's going to follow up on that, that strand of thinking and because these people had sent him a gift. We're going to talk about that next week, the generosity of the church at Philippi that they sent this love offering to Paul, and he's thanking them for it. But before, as he's doing that, I want to jump in in verse 10. Of chapter four, Philippians, he says, "I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've been able to renew your concern for me." The, the word "renew" there is a, as a tree that had not blossomed and it re, it reblossomed, it it budded, it blossomed. Their their affection they had been somehow they'd lost their opportunity to be generous, and this is the most generous church to Paul. That and we'll learn that next week, uh, but they've given him this gift. And he's, he's celebrating it because it means they love him and he, and they haven't forgotten him. And, but more than that to Paul, he wants them to know in verse 10, he says, indeed, you've been concerned, but you've not had the opportunity to show it. Verse 11, I, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. He's not denying he's in need. He is in need. But he's not saying he's happy he got the gift just because he was in need. There was a deeper motive for Paul, and we're going to talk about that Next week, this week, I want to tell you why he was not in crisis, though he was in need. He says, I'm not saying this because I was in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. Now, a couple of things. The word content, he pulls out of his world. That day, that present day, there was a group of people called the Stoics. And the Stoics had a faith that basically a faith of self-reliance. In fact, this word was their key word. It, it means uh, to be self-sufficient. He said, I've learned to be, Paul's, he's going to throw it upside down though. He says, I've learned to be self-sufficient. And, and if you know Paul, ain't nothing about self and Paul's like, but he'll get to it. He said, I've learned to be so. In other words, I've, I've, I've had, I've grown in some wisdom through experiences. I, I don't just keep repeating the same experience and not changing. So I've, cha- I've grown. I've learned how to be self-reliant, self-sufficient. And he'd be like, Wow, really, Paul? Self-sufficient? And he said, In every circumstance. Now remember, the Stoics: if someone died that they loved, don't cry. Be in control of your emotions you're a stoic you conquer emotion there's a indifference there's a there's a, a an almost i don't care that something bad happened to you i'm not going to allow myself those emotions some people see that as a strength they're in such control You'll never see me break down. You'll never see me cry. You'll never see me, you know, out of the, you know, and that's their philosophy of, you see it in our world today in pop psychology. It's all about self-reliance. It's all about the, the, the secret that's in you, the, the strength that's in you. Find the strength that's in you. I'm going to tell you something. I looked for it in me and couldn't find it. Now, you might start your own religion. Some people do. It's the religion of you. You worship what you got, who you are, your own. And, and everything today is about how to fix yourself, how to, how to do, you know. And I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm just saying you got to use some discernment because Paul's saying I've learned how to be content. As they would say, they used to say to me in Cuba, they'd say, Jamie, Jamie, tranquilo. It's just Cuba. Tranquilo. Had a Cuban man working at my house this week. He's been in America for five days across the river with a wife that's eight months pregnant. He made $10 a month in Puerto Rico, I mean in uh, Cuba. $10 a month, working as a computer programmer. $10. You got a piece of chicken, two potatoes, some carrots, and an onion as their distribution for food once a month. Now, they live off of family and people in America that are helping them in the black market, and they have their own system. But, you know, I just thought about, you know, learning how to be, and I warned him, because he's coming from the land of nothingness to the land of pl- plenty. It, 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 when they walk in a store, if there's a box of cereal, they, they are happy. And if they're having money to buy it. When you walk in a store, and have you ever looked at the cereal rack of recent? I mean, if you're neurotic at all, it'll put you right over the edge. I mean, are you wanting gluten-free, salt-free, sugar-free? You wanting it made with fiber? No fiber? You're on the which diet? I mean, you go. I mean, literally. Can you imagine the choices we deal with? I mean, you go, Oh no, I don't, You you go to Starbucks? It's like it's like creating a, a a, a I don't know what you're making in there. <laughs> it's not coffee anymore. It used to be easy. You want sugar cream? Not now. You want a frappe with the extra. You know the Cuba has some of the best coffee in the world, but you know the coffee they make them drink is mixed with this this bean. It's like a uh, you wouldn't feed it to your animal. They grind it up into coffee to make it go. It's nasty. And and Paul is teaching. There are people in Cuba that are content. I've seen them. I've been in their homes. I've seen homes with one light bulb, dirt floor, and they They give you whatever they, and I've seen joy in a home like that. They've learned, now they don't want to stay, contentment isn't that I've resolved and given up and I'm quit. That's not contentment. That's despair and depression. It's a sense that in spite of what my circumstances are, let's go Paul, so he goes on and he says in verse 12, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty, now, let me just say this. There's two big extremes. Most of us would think it's harder to be poor than it is to be wealthy. And that's what I told this young man from Cuba. I said, buddy, I said, you're in America. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I live here. I, 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 I didn't pick it. God put me here. I don't feel guilty because he put me in America. That's where he put me. And uh, he's given me a responsibility to steward the things he's given. But the, having a lot. Is a, is a burden. You know, just think, of the, just think of what they don't have. They don't have car insurance. They don't have health insurance. They don't have home insurance. They don't have wind insurance. They don't have fire insurance. They don't have dental insurance. They don't have computer breakdown insurance. They don't have, I mean, you go on, how many, if you total up how much we most of us pay for insurance every year, it's, a, it's, it's enough to drive, you know, there is a burden to having so many options in front of us, to get credit cards and just mailed to you. You mean you, you don't need any money? No, you just swipe this thing. Really? Wow! You know what the burdens are coming on him? As a young man to skip steps and, and to, to it, it's, it's having a lot is a, is a, is a, is a challenge to be continued because a lot of times you can prosper and not have a relationship with Jesus uh, there, there's lots of people that, that great education, successful jobs, maybe even good marriages. And they're contented without God. And that's not good because it's a false contentment. It's not going to last when life changes and life gets hard. You have nothing else to depend on. So Paul says this. He uses this word. It's interesting in verse 12. He says, I know what it is to have plenty. And he says, I've learned the secret. Now remember, he uses this term of contentment that's a stoic term for this self-sufficient. Now he's using a term that means in a mystery cults to, to be initiated. Any, I don't know if you've ever been into a secret club. You know, we used to make them up as we were kids, secret clubs. And some people never grow out of it, and they do it as adults. And so there's all kinds of little secret clubs out there that people, usually men, are involved in. And they got all the little secret handshakes. And I swear I'll cut my throat if I break the blah, blah, blah. And, and it's a serious deal. And there's always God in there somewhere. And G is God in the center? Yeah. Okay. I know the vows that you swear on yourself. It's like a curse. These secret organizations, there's something, now they're kind of dying away. There's a new kind of secret now in our culture, and it's the secret of the law of attraction, of the, of the power of self, of, of the ability to recreate yourself, to, to remake yourself. And, and it's just this, this Paul says, I've been initiated. How did you get initiated Paul? Did you have a secret ceremony? No, I was shipwrecked and I swam in the deep for a day and a night without hope. Really? Yeah, that's how you got initiated? Well, I was whipped 39 times on five different occasions. That's your initiation? I was stoned and left for dead. That's That's your initiation? Paul had gone through the hardness of life, and in that difficulty, he gained some wisdom. And the wisdom was, I know how to be at peace and whatever my circumstances." Now, he's about to give you the secret. And when you see the secret, you're going to go, "That's no secret, and that's what he's doing. He's messing with its sarcasm. And and if you don't get it, he's trying to make it all secretive. All get the handshake down right, and you're in. You get the whatever around your neck or the head on your turban, or you get whatever secret. Whatever you you got the badge. I'm one of them. Paul says I'm in because I've learned the secret. Now he uses that phrase, and you know. I, one of the things that was so hard for me to learn as a Christian over the years is that formulas can be good. Like if you do A, B, and then usually C happens. Uh, and I, I, I there's faith formulas. All churches have them. They'll teach you, uh, you, you, you take this verse and you claim it, you stand on it, you confess it, you get in agreement with a friend. And there's nothing wrong. The problem is, it just sometimes they don't work. What is it with a formula that doesn't work, and it collapses? You're in trouble. I learned this camping. My wife and I used to camp. We camped with our kids. It was a horrible experience for some of them. We won't name names. And and uh, I never forget one time we were camping. It was so cold. It had rained, and they didn't have their tent shut, so their blankets were wet. So they came in to sleep with mom. We had separate tents, so you know, you just grow in wisdom as you camp. So we had her unda- well, the two of the daughters were in there getting warm with mom and dad. The third daughter I thought was gutting it out, and all of a sudden I heard this noise, and you know, on a campground you can hear everything. Half mile away, you can hear everything. I hear this. She's gone in the van, turned it on, and running the heater. Solved the problem, killed the battery. Dad went crazy, (laughs) drug her into a cold tent, instead of joining her in the van, which I should have done, got in the van. So we are a camping family. Camping makes for good family memories, painful but good. But we were camping one time, my wife and I, we we came in this campground north of Asheville, and I'm telling you, in Blue Ridge. It, it, normally in a good campground, there's one or two good sites. The rest of them, you're by the portalets or you're too far. You know, it's just, you know, you're hearing people using the bathroom all night and that's no fun. And it's like the airplane being in that last seat. You know, have you ever had that last seat? Charles was when we went to Africa last year charles had he, he wasn 't in the back of the plane he was in the, he was in the middle of the plane, and it said more legroom. The problem is everybody had to walk by where he was to get into the bathroom, and they couldn 't open the door and so he spent the whole thirteen hour flight telling people how to open the bathroom door so they could get in and come out right and it was It was fun to watch i i had I had a lot of joy in that. He didn't get any sleep either because he had some lady next to him with a screaming baby the whole time. And he had the toilet in one hand and the screaming baby on the other. And the people knocking his feet over because they couldn't get by the the extra leg room. So those were great seats, weren't they, buddy? We paid extra for those, by the way. (laughs) So we drive up into this campground and there's the best spot in the whole place and nobody's in it. In fact, nobody's there. And I'm like, wow. Wow. This is sweet. I'm talking boulders, water flowing through creek side, pristine green, emerald, gra- you know, just I mean, like honey. Wow, this is. We started setting up tape just then. The thunderstorm started coming in. I barely got the tent set up, and this this I probably should have looked at the news. It was some kind of a monsoon came through the the gorge. The, and if you've ever been in a gorge, this is in a gorge. It sounded like a jet airplane, like a torn. I've never heard a tornado, but it was literally roared. The tent was coming up off the ground, and the only thing that saved us was her big husband was in the tent with us. Or It would have blown the whole tent away. We literally stayed there, hugged all night in this Brutal storm. Next day, beautiful weather. It's all good. Sunny, so, it'll be great. I fried some, some cooked and some college kids moved in beside us. And I hung my ice chest about eight foot off the ground, seven foot, as far as I could get it because I didn't have a ladder. Didn't think a bear could stand on his hind legs. So we went to bed that night. All of a sudden she goes, there's something outside the tent. And I'm talking like the tent where I'm right here and the ice chest is there. And between us is, is the tent and I didn't have a gun and the first thing my wife says she says she says do you have candy on you and I said what do you mean she said do you still have that Snickers bar I said I ate it she said they'll smell it on you they'll smell the peanuts they're coming for the peanuts I'm that bear just tearing up that ice chest. He's got it down now, and I. Someone told me, listen, if your bear comes at you, you got to show him you're not afraid. You you take pots and pans and you bang them together. And anybody ever heard that? That's what that's bear theology. You just bang the pots and pans. It's secret knowledge, and you you show him. So. On top of it, I had nervous you know, bowel issue, and I had, to, I, had to, I had to go to the potty, and it, between me and the potty is the bear, so f- between fear and... A, so I... I stood out there, and I had a pots and pans. I went... And I screamed... ah. And literally, that bear is over there eating away at our food, and he looked up at him, and he went... Mm, and I mean, I scream like a four-year-old... <laughs> But I had to go so bad that I just, I thought, I'm going to show him this is my territory. I'm marking my territory. He takes a lunge towards me while I'm going potty right there at the front door of the tent. So now I'm inside the tent, and it's just, it's just not nothing. It went downhill from there. And so my wife and I, we're sitting there praying the blood of Jesus, praying all night, and that bear just said, by the time, and the college kids had long since jumped into the car and taken off. So the next day we get up. We haven't slept an ounce. The bear now, I can tell, has drugged the stuff out, you know, 50 yards away, and the whole campground has come to see us. We're, the, we're the, the notorious people that survived the bear attack. So I'm out, standing, kind of acting macho, you know, walking around. And, and the, the, the camp guy, the, the head uh, ranger, drives by, and he goes, "He goes, I hear you had a bear uh, last night." And I said, "Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. But we, you know, we took we we took our stand." And and he said, "Oh, so you weren't scared?" Were you scared? If you're from Michigan, scared means scared. And he said, so you weren't scared now, were you? And I said, well, no, no. He goes, that wouldn't be why you'd have that shirt on backwards. Is it?" And I had a button up shirt on backwards, like a like a hospital gown and a big wet spot on my pants. And he just looked at me and went, <laughs> spit his tobacco and chuckled as he drove off. And I'm going to tell you that. We didn't stay another night in that campground. That was the end of the camping. We've never camped since. It's been the end of the road. It was between the storm and the bear. But let me just tell you, those pots and pans let me down. My faith were in the pot. I wanted to find the moron that told me that that worked and slam the two pans between his head and say, how's that feel? Because you're stupid. You told me it would work. I tried it. I nearly got killed. <laughs> and there's lots of formulas that have failed you, haven't they, over the years? Come on. You try them. You mean well. If a person said, pray like this. And again, it's not always wrong. Maybe it works sometimes. Sometimes you bang the pots and pans, and maybe that, that, that's a pot and pan scared bear. But then you run into one. You know, and they tell you all different ways to, well, if it's you can, who can remember? Now, you stand up to a grizzly, or do you know you play dead, you cover your head, or do you stand big to the blackberry? By the time you figure it out, it's your meat, you're eating, you're you're done. And and, and it's like that with faith. Faith isn't, Paul doesn't give us some secret mystery to the insightful, knowledgeable, bright, spiritual, godly. People, this is, we know how it works. No one else knows. It's secret. Now, Paul says this. After all of this, he says, here's his secret. He says, he says I, know how, I know the secret of being content or self-sufficient is what he's saying. He uses that word again. In any and every situation, whether I'm fed or hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or want. Verse 13, most important verse you could argue in the Bible. He says, I can do everything through him. Who gives me strength? What, what? Your secret is who? Say it with me. Jesus. You didn't say it with me. Say it with me. Jesus. What, Paul, that's no secret. You live your whole life. He's, that's the point. It's not a mysterious, I don't know if I'm smart enough. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know as much as this person does. And they know secrets. The UFOs have landed and given them secrets. It works for Tom Cruise. Look what he looks like. I mean, it could make me want to be a Christian scientist. I could have a body like him. He probably takes a lot of steroids in there, too. I don't know. But anyway, maybe he's just naturally that. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I understand it's a great movie. But he has horrible theology. He believes in UFOs from other planets that have come down called Scientology. It's a cult group. It has secret initiations. It has secret, and any other group that's out there that acts like we're the ones that have the truth. And what we say is we're part of the kingdom of God, the body of Christ. We don't have all the truth, but we have the Lord Jesus Christ who is the truth. And we're not isolated uh, secret knowledge, you got to be at this level, you got to be initiated. At the, the initiation is you walk with God and fail, and you realize you need help. You walk with God and get tempted, and you sin, and you realize you need forgiveness. You walk with God, and you cry out, and nothing happens, and you realize you've got to learn patience. You walk with God, and life doesn't go the way you want it to, and you learn that God's still bigger than the way you wanted it to go. You walk with God and you bury people you love because you prayed over them and fasted for them and believed for them, and they still died. And the formula didn't work. But that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't still on the throne. It doesn't mean that Jesus still isn't good. And Paul says, you have to learn, if you're ever going to ever come anywhere near the land of tranquilo, come near the land of contentment, it's not self-reliance. It's Christ-reliance. It's everything I need is in Jesus. It doesn't. This verse doesn't mean you can do anything you want to do because you have Jesus. Okay, I'll get you a basketball, and I'll, I'll, I'll guarantee you there's probably not a person in this room. Maybe somebody could dunk it, but I couldn't even touch the net. I could claim that verse all day long. It doesn't make. I could get over here. I could do all things through Christ's strength to me. Turn on the keyboard. Let me rip it up. I can't play a note. And I had a year of piano lessons when I was a kid. Hated every minute of it. Now, I regret it. Isn't it funny, the things you hated then, you wish you'd have paid attention? You know, it's like typing class. And who knew we'd need it for computers? Who knew? (laughs) Who thought about that? English? I dropped out of English the year I got saved. Because I was going to be a preacher. And who needs English? Who thought I'd write a book? I've had people look at me and say, you wrote a book? (laughs) I had a lot of help. Did you have a ghost writer? No, I had the Holy Ghost. And he helped me and had a lot of people that helped me edit. And grammar, oh my gosh. I got terrible grammar writing, punctuation. Why? Because I quit English. Who needs it? I'm going to be a preacher. I didn't say I was smart. I'm just telling you. Paul points out a secret that people spend their whole life and sometimes they don't find it and it's right in front of them. And it's the secret of Jesus is all I need to do all he asked me to do. He doesn't give me the ability to do things that I want to do. I, I, you know, He gives me the ability to do things he wants me to do. I work more now and preach more now than I did in my 30s. I had 10 times the energy. Why wouldn't he let me do it? Am I, I, man, I, there's been times we've had five services on the weekend. Then we cut it to four, cut it to, I'm down to two, and I barely make two. My blood sugar crashes, and if it wasn't for those grits, eggs, and bacon this morning, I still wouldn't be standing. I can do all things through grits, eggs, and bacon. That's what my verse is. If you didn't have those grits, then you missed out. And if you ate them by themselves, it's okay. you got to put them over eggs. You you folks from up north, grits aren't, they're not an, an isolated, it's like ice cream on apple pie. You know, ice cream's too good, but put it on a hot You put the eggs in with the grits, and you mix it all. i got to teach you how to eat grits. And it's got cheese in it. Some of you, all you know is instant grits. It tastes like you're eating somebody's sand off the beach or something. You've got to have Richie's grits with the seasoning and the cheese. And, and you know there's no cholesterol in it. There's no carbs in it. There's no. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to end up in counseling trying to figure out which battle do you fight? I get it, it's serious, but you cut out the sugar and eat the fats, and then the fat people say, you got to cut out the fats. Well, if I cut out the fats, I already cut out the sugar. Well, what are you left? Then you can't eat red meat. We well, don't eat red meat. you got to cut out the red meat and the sugar and the fats, but you got to have protein in your diet. I am in mean, there whittling me down to beans, and I'm telling you, that's a, that's a challenge. That's a challenge. I'm a meat eater, and I get it. I'm not, I'm not saying there aren't good health, but it depends on who you listen to. You have an egg, it's like smoking a pack of cigarettes. I heard a guy on the internet, professional doctor, telling me, stop eating eggs. It's like smoking a pack of cigarettes. And it's like, okay. So what, I'm gonna have a bowl of cereal, and it's like sucking sugar and insulin down your, you know, you, it, the, the point is, is that everybody's an expert on everything. And you got to figure this thing out along the way. And I don't want to do it alone. I, I, I want God's help in what he's called me to do. He's asked me to do more. My wife, if you pray for Pastor Kim, you think at her age that she wants to travel. It sounds romantic, but I'm telling you, going to nobody gets up and says, so we're going to travel. We're going to Burundi for a holiday. You don't go there for a holiday. It's a mess. It's a broken country. It's not pretty. It's no animals. I mean, we saw a hippo by the lake, but it's not like Tanzania or Kenya or South Africa or, or it's, it's barren and it's poor. You go for one reason it's the people. It's, it's not about the beauty of the land and the travel and your ankles swell and blah, 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 blah. And you say, gone. We didn't have these opportunities when we were younger, when we had the strength to do it. Now you're getting us. I'll never forget it. Haunts me in a good way. We're standing there and and at the ticket counter. I had to go three hours early because they had the wrong name on the ticket from our passport. It was an error. And and they can not let you travel. So we're in England. Had to get there three hours early. There's two older gentlemen in front of me. One of them has his leg wrapped up in a knee brace. And the other one has a, a, just, he got up out of a wheelchair, but he could walk, but he just needed it to get around. 83 and 84 years old, two brothers. I said, they had lost one of their passports and spent two nights in the airport. Sleeping. You can't sleep in an airport. They put those stupid chair things between the seats. You can't, you're laying on the concrete floor. That's nastier than a a toilet. They clean the bathrooms more than they do the floor. These two old guys, I'm like, what are you guys doing? Well, we had to spend three extra days in England to get a passport because we're going to Zambia and we're bringing a load of Bibles and we're going to help do a Bible school first some pastors there and I said how old are you 83 and 84 and the guys hobbled I'm talking knee needs a hip and a knee replacement he's he's hobbled like this totem bibles I guarantee you they didn't do that in their 40s they were too busy with life I they're heroes to me is that God's given them strength doesn't mean their body doesn't think a superman I don't have any pain just means I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm going to do what God's told me to do. I'm not going to be a whiner. I'm not going to be a quitter. Paul says, I, I got all I need. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm bless you forgiven, but I, I'm good. God's got me. I can go without, I can have a lot. I've learned that my source doesn't leave me when the economy changes. My source doesn't leave me when my politics don't go the way I want them to. My source doesn't leave me when the person I depended on as a friend let me down. My source doesn't leave me when the world doesn't go the way I want it to. When my job doesn't. Paul's got the secret. He said, it's not a secret. It's a secret to those that don't have faith. It's a secret to those that are prideful. It's a secret to those that are arrogant, independent. I can do it on my own people. But people like Paul that walk with a limp, that know that they need Jesus every day, to get out of bed, to go to work, to do their job, to be a faithful husband, to be a faithful wife, to be a parent, to be a good business worker, to do it in your strength. If you do it in your strength, and there are people that do a lot of stuff in their own strength, and some amazing stuff. They get no credit to God. They get their own strength. The problem with that is they've learned the art of self-reliance. The danger of that is they don't have a relationship with the God that made them. And there will be things coming, tests like death, that no amount of self-reliance, no amount of new age voodoo, no amount of formulas, and I buried this in my backyard and said this nine times and painted this on my wall and got this tattooed on my body. And I got, you know, no amount of Christian magic, no amount of any kind of santeria, no amount of any kind of, of New Age crystals and palm reading and nothing. Not, they're not going to get you through it. You're not going to meet God and lean on your crystals. You're not going to find God in magic and occultism and the secret of the universe. I'm going to tell you something. People running around looking for the secret of the universe, and they just read Genesis 1:1. Boom. What do we have for them? Revelation. God made everything. Well, Stephen Hawkins, I hope he found the, the uh, answer to everything formula. But there is no formula. It's a person. And when, as long as you're seeking after some formula, even if it's Christian, don't, again, it's not wrong to claim promises. It's not wrong to pray prayers. It's not wrong to stand on scripture. But what you're standing on is the God of the scripture who made the promise, not your understanding of how that promise could be fulfilled. So God has bigger ways sometimes of answering our prayers than fit into our formulas, and so I would just say to you today, do you know the secret? Well, you got to you got to have some failure. You got to have some weakness to learn this secret. You got to be ugly. You got to have what we call ugly at the church here is I'm 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 needy. I'm dependent. I need grace. If you're not got some ugly, then you'll never experience the joy of knowing that God's enough until you know you're not. And when you run out of you, God begins. If you look to him, I'll never forget, I had this guy that I, I, I met him at another church, and I thought to myself, thank God he's in that other church. Sometimes you do that. I'm just being straight up with you as a pastor. He wouldn't go high in the church draft, let me just say that. I'm not swapping two disgruntled people that complain all the time. I'm not even going to trade them for him. You know, we're not, he's not, he's not, I'm not, I'm not going to draft him. He's not coming on the team, not looking for him. He shows up going through a divorce, left the other church because she stayed there, So he's going through a divorce. So we're a merciful church. We love it. Well, shockingly, he was a different person. He was humble. Uh, You know, he was was embarrassed. But it was like, dude, we don't hold out against anybody. We all failed. Uh, He's walking with a limp. He he started serving around the church. He quit being a know-it-all, telling you how to do everything. You love somebody that tells you how to do everything when they've never done it. You know, and he was in the other church, he was, cause I had some meetings and he was telling me how to run small groups and how to do this and that. And I was like, have you ever led a group? No, no, but I read this and I know that, you know, it's like, you know, I, I don't really, I wanted to say I didn't, I want to say, I don't really care what you, 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 you know, cause you've never done it. I don't like talking about people that are theoreticians. Have you ever had a baby? No. Then don't tell me how to have one. Because I'm never going to have one. So I can't tell you how to have one. Talk to my wife. She'll tell you how to have a baby. I've watched them. Makes me think, thank God I'm never going to have a baby. But I'm not, I've not been initiated into womanhood. Not planning on it anytime soon. Paul's been initiated into the secret of trusting Jesus in every circumstance. So this guy's in the church. I like him now. He's a likable person. He's humble. He's coming to birth. Next thing I know, he's, he's, he's in a relationship and he asked me to marry him, and I marry him. I'm telling you, within a few weeks, he's back to that guy he was at the other church obnoxious, wearing me out, complaining, judging, critical. Now he's a know it all again. It all came back to him. The, sh- the, the shame was gone, the brokenness left. He's back, he's happy, got a wife. All things are good. Let me tell you how to do it again. You know, and the danger of that is that he didn't learn the secret in the middle of the valley. I wanted to say, buddy, I don't want you to live in brokenness. That's not the point. It's not go get a divorce and learn humility. That's not the point. The point, though, is that when you're in a place of tragedy or pain or crisis, learn what God, he's initiating you into the mysteries of the grace of God that God's enough, that he sustains you. You don't know God's enough until you stand at a place where he's all you've got. And when you stand there, and you'll get there some way in your life, where you literally look and say, God, I've got nothing but you. I can't count on anything but you. And he's enough. He's sufficient. I'm not. I can't stand and say, I have everything I need. How would you fill in that verse? I can do all things through grits and bacon. You know, I can do all things through drugs. I can do all things through friends. I can do all things through my bank account, my finances. I can do all things through my own knowledge. And how would you fill that verse in? Paul says it this way. It's Jesus. That's my secret. How did you do it, Paul? Don't tell anybody, but it's Jesus. There was a famous preacher, D.L. Moody. He was a shoe salesman, and God captured him. Big burly guy with a big black beard, preached the thunderous gospel of the kingdom, and, and people came to Jesus on, in UK and here in America. And uh, D.L. Moody was just, and they came to study him and find out the secret. What's the special sauce? And, and the person was so unimpressed with uh, D.L. Moody that he wrote a, the article was that there, there, there is no, nothing, there's nothing, there's no see, there, there's no, he, he, he's just a normal, ordinary person. And D.L. responded by, he's, he's got it. That's the secret. It's not about me. It's about the God that uses me. And that's the secret. And there's nothing to hide. It's either Jesus or failure for me. How about you you got a plan other than Jesus how's it working as dr. Phil would say how's that working it doesn't work just look around I feel for people in this world trying to do life with self-reliance independence I don't need anybody and again what Paul's saying here is not it's just me and Jesus in the Bible and I don't need other people that's not what he's saying That's the Stoic. He got prayer. He got support. He got help. He had family and community. And part of that strengthening of the Lord comes through his church, his body, small groups when we launched them again in August. Find your way to one. It'll it'll help save your journey with Jesus. Nothing's perfect. It's not I can do all things through my small group, but I'll meet Jesus in that group with those people. And so I want us as a church to keep, being an ugly church. It's never, if, if someone says, What's the secret? If we have a secret, the secret is we're weak, broken, flawed people that get it wrong a lot. That's the secret? Yeah. And we cry out to Jesus for grace to help us in the middle of it. I prayed over our staff on Friday night. Let's don't move into performance. So if something doesn't go perfect out of the kitchen or something doesn't come perfect out of the worship time, oh well. We'll do our best, but in the end of the day, our best is not enough. It's got to take the grace of God. Amen? It's gonna, he fills in the gaps. He fills in the deficiencies. He steps in in spite of ourselves. It's him. Now, if I want it to be me, then I'll do it in my strength, and I'll do it in my wisdom, and I know what that can get me. Not real far. Maybe add a quarter and you can get a bag of chips. I don't know, but maybe not even that. It's not complicated, but it is a miracle to depend on his grace. It's crystal clear what the secret is. It's easy, simple. Let me say it that way. Not easy. It's simple. The hard part is, is I've got to walk this out every day. Because I'm going to come to Jesus for strength today. You know, what if he taught us to pray like this? Our Father, have you, been, have you been brushing up on that, buddy? Evan, where, Yeah. are well, you? I appreciate your courage, dude. Yeah, just you know, launched out in the Lord's Prayer. Because you know what? You thought it threw everybody off, but everybody in the room was thinking, I'd have done the same thing. I don't think I'd even got that far in the line. And he's probably prayed it a thousand times in his life. But our Father, ought in heaven. But he says, pray for daily bread. What if he said, Give us this month our monthly bread. Why not that? Wouldn't that be simpler? Then I don't have to keep worrying about it. I got it for a month. I want monthly bread. Can we change that prayer? Is that wrong? A lot of churches try that. It seems to work for them. They blow up their church and they lose their, their message. And, you know, and let's just change the No, daily bread. God says, you get today strength. What you need, you can't get strength until you need it. Corey Boom said it this way. She was the, uh, the wrote the book "The Hiding Place" in in Nazi uh, Germany. She hid uh, Jewish people until she got arrested and went to uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, um, concentration camps, and uh, she survived. But she would say this in her, I don't know, it was Dutch or German. Uh, was she Dutch? She Dutch, and her Dutch uh, accent, she would say, "When the tra- when she was talking about dying, grace, is that you, you don't get grace to die until you're ready to die. Death is there. She would say it this way, when the train comes into the depot, Jesus doesn't give you the ticket to get on the train until the train pulls in the depot. I've told this to hundreds of people dying. And it just seemed, I told it to a, a, a psychologist that was brilliant and struggling with, I don't think I can do it. And I said, you don't have to do it yet. The train's not here. You don't get the ticket. You don't get a ticket and frame it and hang it on your wall. What's that? It's a ticket for death. I'm all good now. Carry a pen in my wallet. Whip it out. You don't get it. You can't lay in bed and go, what would, how would I deal with death if I was told today I've got a day to live? You can't, nobody, you look at friends that are struggling with terminal diseases and you you see how they're doing, you think, how could I do that? You can't think that, you can, and you'll paralyze because you don't have grace because you're not walking through it. But if you're walking through it, when the train gets there, that's when the ticket gets in your hand and you hand it to the, and I don't know, that simple thing has always meant something to me, is that when I need it, the ticket'll be there. It's the same with this strength. Whatever level you're looking for, when you need it, the strength'll be there. But couldn't he give it to me a day ahead of time? Just a couple days. Can I feel strength for the conference today? I'm fatigued. I don't. Need, I'd shut it down if they'd let me. I'd cancel it. I would. I'm tired. Our team's tired. I'm, I'm grumpy. I'm like, yeah, I'm afraid somebody's going to come here and complain about something. I'll snap on them <laughs> and say, I've been preaching on joy for a month, but it's gone. You just stole it. <laughs> Complained about the grits. You don't even know how to eat them. You put them on the eggs. <laughs> you mix them in. Get some ketchup in there. Talk about our grits. Come all the way here and talk about our grits. So, God will give me grace when I wake up Tuesday morning. It'll be grace time to go to the conference. Time to go. He'll give you grace. You, what you got to go to work tomorrow? That's depressing. Some of you are teachers. Got to go back to work. Genesis, when do you go back? That's depressing, isn't it? It can't be depressing. <laughs> that summer's sweet. Just think how kids feel. Some of you are like, well, I wish I had a summer break. Well, be a school teacher then. (laughs) You'd end up hurting somebody is what you'd do. That's why you're not a teacher. Had a kid in our church a couple years ago, in our youth church, looked up at one of our council members serving up there and F-bombed him. F-bombed him. He said, little whatever Johnny, Johnny, got to sit down now. F-bombed him. Has anybody, any kids ever F-bombed you? Really? That's, unbe- that's why I'm not a teacher. I wouldn't want to spank them. I'd bring their parents in and I'd spank their parents. Because that's where they learned it. Listen to dad F-bombing mom. Can you believe it? Can you t- rewind the tape when you were a kid? Can you ever remember looking at an adult and F- I didn't even know what the F word was back then. But but F-bombing an adult? And what was your point, Jamie? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm about to F-bomb you if you ask me again what that point was. <laughs> point is, I don't have a point. That's the point. Point is, is that you need grace when you need it. And without it, we're not going to make it. But you got to keep coming daily bread daily bread i need you god never goes again again really you're back i mean it hadn't even been again really no he delights and coming he delights in blessing he never runs out he never says wow you know ken was there ahead of you jamie and he sucked me dry i got nothing for you And then what I had left, Rick came behind him and took the leftovers. Between Ken and Rick, I got nothing for you, Jamie. All right, I'll give you the emergency reserves. Now it's all gone. And you try to come and say, no, no. Jamie and Rick and Ken, they sucked heaven dry. And God's like, maybe tomorrow. Aren't you glad that his supply of strength and grace is unending? And it's never given in a judging critical way. Like you, He delights when we see the secret. He delights in being the secret and finding our way to him and all that we need. Let's, let's stand up together. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. I'm praying that God will unveil his secret this week. I hope some of you have seen it today. It had like an epiphany of, wow, there's a, there's a mystery solved. Jesus has all I need. Amen. Amen. Doesn't make it easy, but it's simple and clear to come to him for all that you need. He's the fountain that we run to. Come, Jesus. Come right now, Lord. There's some weary hearts here. There's some weak hearts, discouraged hearts. There's some troubled hearts, frustrated hearts. Lord, in our weakness, you said we can discover your strength. We call that the power of ugly, Lord, of being ugly, of saying, God, I'm weak. I need your strength. I run to you. And you never... Never look down on us. You never. You smile. All right, he's coming again. He's learned the secret. He's been initiated. He's in the club. The I'm going to follow Jesus and he's got all I need club. He knows the secret handshake. You're in. Jesus, come right now among us infuse each heart as they lean into you cry out to you and worship you let's worship him together receive from him